Fantastic noise. Fantastic noise. Fantastic noise. Fantastic noise. Fantastic noise. A podcast about making radio from the University of Bedfordshire. Hello, I'm Terry Lee, and I'm delighted you have chosen to listen to this episode of Fantastic Noise. Thank you for your ears. I hope this is educational. There are lots of different types of radio stations. Scan through your radio and you hear talk stations, music-heavy stations, sports stations, religious stations, eclectic-sounding stations, even radio stations that don't seem to ever have a live presenter. For those stations that have spoken content, a key part of their output are pre-recorded features or packages that tell a story, include an interview or highlight an issue. They are crafted together by someone using audio editing software. They are a huge part of our teaching of radio at the university. This episode is all about these audio packages. In the studio, I'm joined by a current radio student from the University of Bedfordshire, Adam Simmons. He's just finished his first year and can be regularly seen around our university radio station, Radio Lab 97.1 FM. Hello, Adam. Hello, thank you for having me. No, thank you for coming in. Adam, what course are you taking at the university? As you said, I've um, just finished my first year on media production with radio. Media production with radio. And are you enjoying it? Oh, definitely, yes. Yeah, well, what's the best bit, and, and why did you choose that course? Well, I, I came from a performing arts background. Really, I wanted to learn both sides of the industry, both in front of the camera and behind the camera. It was only until probably my first couple of days at university that I decided I want to learn how to become a radio presenter. Coming up in today's podcast, we're going to hear from BBC Radio 2 producer Tim Johns. He makes the radio packages for Jeremy Vine's popular midday programme. He also has a habit of upsetting swans. Uh, We will also hear from Dr Sam Coley of Birmingham City University. As well as teaching his own students, he has extensive experience of radio package and audio documentary creation. Later, as always, we shall be analysing some radio jargon with the Radio Word of the Week and making our weekly visit to Dr Laurie Hallett's radio surgery. But first, the word listen uses the same letters as the word silent. So let's be quiet for a minute as we hear from some fine people on what they've been enjoying listening to recently. What are you listening to? My name is Becky Ma. I'm 32. I'm the Student Voice Project Manager at the University of Bedfordshire. I am listening to two things at the moment. One is a podcast called My Dad Wrote a Porno, which has been recommended to me by so many people that I felt like I couldn't resist it any longer. So I've been giving that a go and it is completely hilarious. I've had to stifle so many laughs with my little boy asleep in the back of the car, um, hence why I've been in the car so much listening and also i'm a daily listener to the chris evans breakfast show on radio too it's a great way to start the day makes me laugh and just passes the time on my commute into work hi my name is dan i'm from norwich i'm 41 years old um i like listening to frank skinner and jason manford on absolute radio both for uh, their chat and the songs. Hi, I'm Pip and I like listening to Radio X, particularly Johnny Vaughan show, because it's good music and it makes me laugh. 
do contact us and tell us about something you've been enjoying listening to. I'd love to include your voice in a future podcast. Fantastic noise at beds.ac.uk. Adam, there we heard from three people. Uh, Becky is a fan of My Dad Wrote a Porno, as are many others. Uh, Pip likes Johnny Vaughan on Radio X. What are you listening to at the moment? Well, I suppose at the moment I'm not really listening to many podcasts. I mean, I used to listen to the Ricky Guerrero show. Oh yes, Ricky Gervais. So, so what was it about Ricky's show that that you enjoyed? I think it was just the the constant banter and the kind of like he would always make fun of Carl Pilkington and his round head and the <laughs> way he kind of uh, shows himself off. It was it was a, I guess a leader in, in podcasts of when, what fifteen years ago or so when revolutionary without actually when you look at it being particularly innovative. It was just people talking in a room, but but. Everyone was on board with the Ricky Gervais podcast. Yeah. And what about in terms of radio? Is there any radio you listen to? I suppose really at the moment, because I I run my own show on Radio Lab. I mainly listen to Radio Lab in my spare time. Kind of can't get enough of it. Yeah. Because I'm learning from it and experiencing it for myself. Yeah, I guess in a weird way. It's like peer-assisted learning by yeah. listening to, to, to <laughs> friends and, and other people, students. And that's really interesting. I always share at least one thing that I'm listening to. And this time I'm going to talk about another podcast. It's one from the studios of the independent podcast producers Radio Stakhanov. And it's called Berkhamstead Revisited. It's a, essentially a woman in her mid-twenties named Laura Kirk reading out entries from her teenage diary from 2005 with her friend Laura Gallup in the studio there to discuss the issues raised. One of the interesting things for me is that Laura Gallup grew up in Bromley, uh, as did I. So when she talks about her teenage experiences, I'm often able to know exactly what she's talking about. I've been to those same places and she's talking about going to certain parks and shopping centres. Like, I did that when I was a teenager. <laughs> so I, quite, I, I still get that thrill when I hear places I know mentioned on the radio or, or podcasts and things like that. I don't know. I don't think I'll ever grow out of that. It's funny. It's cringy. It's probably aiming at an audience of women in their 20s, but I'm still enjoying it. Uh, each episode is 30 minutes long, so it's quite digestible. There, There is so much out there. I mean, obviously, there's so many radio stations out there, but so many great, interesting podcasts that, that you know, someone who wants to make radio, you, you can learn a lot from uh, just by hearing how they do things differently. So back to the focus of this episode, radio and audio packages. Tim Johns works with Jeremy Vine on BBC Radio 2 and is a prolific creator of radio packages. He posts a lot of them online on his Audio Boom page, which is audioboom.com slash timoncheese. Check it out. We recorded our conversation whilst he was on a canoe. And as you listen to this, you'll see that that comes with its own challenges. Uh, Before we hear from him, here's a short clip from a package Tim made for BBC Radio 2 about Brexit. In today's ghoulish edition of Deal or No Deal, Noel Edmonds is nowhere in sight. Instead, politicians and pundits are lined up here with their red boxes, ready to open them up and tell us what they think. No cash prizes. Theresa May had better go first. No deal for Britain is better than a bad deal for Britain. Thank you. I'm Tim Johns and I'm a producer and a reporter on The Jeremy Vine Show on BBC Radio 2. Before we start, I should say I've had an unexpected day off and I'm actually on a canoe on the Great River Ouse. Uh, I'm pulled over at the side, so 
Great. So a, a big part of your role at Radio 2 is, is producing radio packages. You provide us lots of examples on your website, which is timjohns.org. How do you define exactly what a radio package is? I suppose I'd say a package is some sort of pre-recorded piece of audio where you've used different elements of audio, so clips and maybe a bit of scripting and different links and sound effects, maybe a bit of music, to, you know, pull together something which tells a story. It's probably not 15 minutes or more that becomes some sort of podcast or documentary. It's probably somewhere between... I don't know, one and I guess 14 minutes could be a, a radio package, if that's not too vague. Sure, and and, and I guess you, by, by the fact that you're talking about putting it together, you, you don't just mean like one take, not just one recording, but actually edited together in some way. Yeah, I think if you go out and you interview somebody with a portable bit of recording equipment on location, you might be tempted to go, go home and go back to the office and call that a package. I, I think that's probably just a recording, like a live recording. Mm. A package is something I would say... I would argue, a little more crafted than that. You've gone out, you've recorded that interview, you've recorded a few different interviews perhaps, you've done a Vox, you've, and then you've weaved all that together to create a package of that audio. So we work with radio and journalism students here at the university and we're often asking them to make packages and, and they're often assessed for them as well. So do you think it's right that we're asking students to do this and, and why would that be a good move on our part? You're asking someone who's fairly biased in favour of packages. So I would say, yes, brilliant (laughs) thing to teach and a brilliant skill to have. I think if you can make a package, you can do a number of things. You can tell a story, you can edit audio, you can, you know, hopefully work recording equipment. You can judge how to craft a brilliant piece of radio. I use the metaphor of a a blacksmith. It's like uh, if you want to work in radio, you need to know how to edit and put together a package in the same way that a blacksmith needs to be able to like operate a hammer to be a good blacksmith. Mm. It's all very well if you can do a good interview. It's all very well if you can present and know how to throw forward and that sort of thing. But if you can make a really brilliant package, actually a lot of those other things follow. You can probably do a lot of those other things equally as well and, and you can sort of master your actual craft. So if someone listening to this is planning on making a radio package what sort of top tips do you think you would give them the answer to this i guess could be as long as a book but we haven't got that long so let me just give you one or two tips one of my favorite tips is when you make a package just when you've nearly finished putting it all together in your head or in reality or you're halfway through recording whatever it is whatever your time constraint stop just give yourself 60 seconds and ask yourself the question what could I do to make this more fun, more engaging, more creative that I haven't already thought to do? Hmm. And it doesn't have to be a big change. It's just that you might learn to make a package in a certain way and you sort of follow that step by step. Or it could be that you've been in the business for years and years and you just default to what you always do. But if you stop and think, what haven't I done? How can I improve you know, one of my links in this? How can I make this you know, really shine? Every time you'll think of just one little thing and that will make your packages just stand out Uh, very slightly and a a second thing i'd say is always let brilliant audio guide you to how your package is going to sound and what i mean by that is if you go to visit a derelict fairground and you want to tell a story of how it's collapsed into ruin in your head you might think oh i'm going to go there i'm going to go and see the merry-go-round thing and the waltzers and i'm going to talk about how awful that is and then i'm going to come home and make that but when you get there it's actually the haunted house that has the most 
eerie, creepy sounds that are sort of a metaphor for this whole fairground. Well, your package really maybe should be about that. Use the audio from the haunted house to really make your package. Adapt what you've got in your head to and let the, the best audio that you can find tell the story. They're brilliant tips, and, and I hope that people get something from that. I'm also intrigued as well. When, when you're putting together a package, Tim, how important is the script, if, assuming you're writing bits for yourself, you know, your own voice, how important is the script to help tell the story as part of the package? I guess there are very different ways to make packages and very different types of packages. So it, you might be out on location putting together a package about a police incident, and you might record you know, linking scripty bits on site. Some people might like to do it off the top of their head. It's recorded so they can give it a couple of goes. Others might jot down a few notes and work from them. The sorts of packages I make are very much uh, maybe a three-minute explainer about a a complex national news story. So mine are much more scripted. Mm -hmm. And if you're doing that sort of route, if you're making a, you know, an informative package like that or even a mini doc or anything like that, the, the scripted bits, it couldn't be more crucial because people's attention spans are very short and they get bored easily and if you've got to get a lot of information across in a short time every single word counts so if you are writing a script to go in your package you want to go back and look at every line at least once if not twice to see if you can improve it shorten it sharpen it make it clearer you don't want to obsess over it but you do want to look twice and make sure it's the best it can be do you have any favourite packages of your own that, that you've produced? Any, any that stand out? Like I'm particularly proud of that, and, and for some reason, why? Two examples, perhaps. I said earlier, always stop and think, what haven't I done? What could I do extra? And there's one package I made that really uh, is a good example of that. I was explaining which government budgets are ring-fenced. So that's an exciting topic. And I, I did it as a sort of top five countdown. So, you know, number five, the NHS. And I stopped and thought, what haven't I done here? And okay, I work at Radio 2, so I'm lucky enough to be able to do this. But I phoned up Tony Blackburn (laughs) and I ended up saying, you know, in at number one, in at number two, in at number three. And then at the end, he phones me up. Sorry, I've left my phone on. I better just take this. Hang on. Hello. Oh, hello. It's uh, Tony Blackburn here. Oh, uh, hello, Mr. Blackburn. Yep, I I was just listening to you and uh, you've made a complete mess up of the rundown. What do you mean? Well, I mean, you've gone from one to five. I mean, for goodness sake, you build up the tension. You go from five to one. I mean, it's a complete disaster. How embarrassing. No, I'm sorry. I hope you don't take it badly, but it had to be said. And honestly, everybody who heard it said, oh, my God, I love that bit with Tony Blackburn, which I found pleasing because to get to that bit, it means they listened to the bit about which, <laughs> which budgets were ring-fenced. Yeah. So that was, that was good. That's fantastic. Um, and a second example, if there's time, um, I was also proud of a package I once made about, it was in, in the days where it was much more accepted to have, to discuss climate change and have one person either side, is it happening or isn't happening? Mm. Isn't it happening? And uh, I had a package once where I just lined up a whole series of very eminent climate scientists that all come in, come on one after another and just say, yes, it is happening. Uh, so I guess personally, I was quite proud of that journalistically. 99% of papers published in this field, 95% of researchers working in this field, and all of the world's major scientific organizations agree. The climate is changing and human activities are mainly responsible. Tim, tell us about a um, something that you're enjoying listening to at the moment. Maybe it's a presenter or a radio station or some certain program or podcast. What, what are you really liking? 
I'm enjoying uh, Ed Miliband and Jeff Lloyd's podcast, Reasons to be Cheerful. Um, now, I hope they, they're not listening to this because I, what I will say is I enjoy it on and off. Mm. Um, they, they tackle a different political topic each week. And uh, actually, if, I, mean, I, I like politics. And if you're engaged in politics, to hear someone like Ed Miliband, he is, whatever you think of him, he is genuinely passionate about the topics he covers. So if it's an engaging topic, something I'm interested in, they get some great guests on and they chew it over. And, and uh, you know, Jeff really facilitates Ed's brain yeah. <laughs> to pick up the topics and it's very engaging i'm about to be attacked by some swans <laughs> this is unusual <laughs> go away oh my god they've come right over oh shit, it's hissing at me <laughs> you, you might be about to hear my death thankfully tim came away from the swans unscathed and i can confirm that no swans were harmed in the making of this podcast uh, adam Tim talks about how making radio packages is a gateway to creating all sorts of radio. Did you find his advice useful? I would I would actually sum it up into into one word and say it was fantastic. Oh, good. Well, what 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 in particular did you t- take from what Tim said? Well, I like the idea about the um, you know the haunted house of the sounds. Yes. Yeah, so Tim talks about how brilliant audio should guide you in your packages. So the haunted house story, if it's a metaphor for the whole package, and then make that haunted house noise, put it at the heart of your story. Have you made many radio packages, uh, Adam? I suppose in my in my first year, <clears throat> I've made probably about three of my own packages, but I've also worked on other packages with other people. Sure. I've worked on one to do with mental health awareness, mm. talking about the Luton market, um, with the award ceremony they had for best all-round retailer. And and hearing what, what Tim's given in terms of advice, how how might you, for example, improve something like a package about the award ceremony for Luton Market? Well, I definitely, I definitely agree with him that it's about making it as a story. With my packages, I've tried to make it like a story. Tim also gave us two examples of, of work that, that he's made that he quite liked, and they were quite different examples. Uh, one was a package about climate change, and it was literally just uh, different scientists. It's quite a dry package, but with a number of voices in the, in the whole package, all, all essentially saying the same thing, that it's climate change, it's a man-made thing, and, and he liked that as a journalistic statement, whereas the other example he gave included Tony Blackburn's voice as, as the, I guess, a, an amusing way of breaking up the, the package, including Tony Blackburn at the end, making making fun of, of the government ring fence story a little mm. bit. I guess that sort of creativity, Tim is brilliant at, and if you go on his website, you, you'll see loads of different examples, completely different examples. You've got plenty of time to improve your own skills, yeah. Adam. What I would advise is go and have a look on his website and, and, and take some inspiration from it. You certainly can borrow some ideas. What is his uh, website? It's uh, timjohns.org. And, and the Audio Boom page, I'll say it again, is audioboom.com slash Tim on Cheese. And, and it's full of examples. Dr. Sam Coley is an associate professor in radio production at Birmingham City University. He's also an experienced audio producer. I spoke to him about making radio packages. But to start, here's a short clip from the radio documentary Sam created for XFM about the New Order album Brotherhood. <laughs> And we were out at various places in the night. <laughs> <laughs> out at various places 
various in places in the notes. Okay, I'm sure the listeners will know. They'll know what I'm talking be. about. Yeah, yeah. That's why I can't remember it. That's why Bird can't remember. It. I was studying the various places in the night. Yeah. So I'm Sam Coley. Uh, I'm the associate professor in radio production uh, at Birmingham City University, and I teach across the MA and BA modules. Uh, in radio, documentary theory and production, uh, and a few other modules as well. Sam, through your job, you must spend a lot of time supporting students as they create audio packages for radio. What advice do you find yourself dishing out over and over again? It's a good question. The thing I find myself typing uh, more often than not is get closer um, with the microphone. I find you know, we've got such amazing audio recording devices these days, but if you hold it, wave it around, you know, a meter away or two meters away from your uh, your interviewee or leave it on the table, you're not really using them to their, their best effect. So, you know, you want to be getting the mic nice and close. So that's one of the main um, things. Also, always monitor your audio as you're recording it on headphones. Um, you know, you want to be able to hear when they're distorting or the unit switches off. Um, if you've not got headphones on, you won't hear that. And you might not notice it until it's too late. So um, those are my top two tips, I guess. In terms of editing, I find students often take quite a linear approach. So you get a procession of one interviewee after another, after another. You know, it's really useful to, to break up your audio, look for themes and topics that people are talking about, and then group them together rather than having, say, two minutes of one guy, two minutes of another, three minutes of another. You know, play around with it, make it a bit more interesting. Uh, and the other thing I find myself typing is not so much music. You know, it's great to be having music in your, your documentary, but often, you know, they're very loud, uh, they're distracting, especially if there's lyrics. So, yeah, it, it's great to have them if they're really adding something. But often, just leave the audio to speak for itself. If you've got you know, a really good contributor, then just let them speak. You don't need to put unnecessary clutter underneath it, whether that's extra sound effects or, or music. So, so those are the sorts of things I find myself writing and feedback. They're, they're really good points, actually, Sam. And I guess the first two points you make about getting closer with the microphone and monitoring with headphones, that's all about capturing good quality audio in the yeah. first place. Would you say that the audio quality is not always valued by students initially? Well, sometimes a student will take the easy option, I guess, and use a phone. And whereas, you know, phones are amazing devices and you can get some pretty good quality recordings. If you've got access to professional units through your university or you buy a secondhand one, I mean, Zoom units aren't that expensive and they manage to get a pretty good sound. Use them to their best. They, they do capture some amazing quality these days, um, but you've still got to remember the basics. Getting your mic nice and close it might feel a bit uncomfortable at first, but I think often after a minute or so, you forget it's there. And if you're looking at your interviewee in the eye, then they'll soon forget it's there and just concentrate on you. And you can get a nice, clean, intimate recording, which which makes a real difference. The, the thing is, a lot of students try and fix their audio in post-editing, either by using hiss reduction or you know boosting up very quiet levels. But if you get great audio from the outset, then you don't have to worry about that. You know, you, you've done all the hard work when it came to the actual interview, and then you can just concentrate on the editing. So, um, yeah, always do your best to get the very finest audio quality you can at the outset. You also mentioned just now um, about 
I guess breaking up the audio with with other things, so it's not just a long chunk of someone talking to keep. I guess that's to keep the listeners' interest in it, so it doesn't get too much of one person talking. Yeah, I mean, if it's a, a if the story sort of focuses on one person, then yeah, you might obviously have more extended sections of them talking on their own. Or if it's quite a sensitive, shall we say, piece uh, where you want a sense of intimacy, and, and you know, somebody might be you know, really reflecting. You don't really want to break that up. But generally speaking, I think audio um, edits have become quicker in pace. And that's true for program makers on the BBC as well, Radio 4, for example. You might have expected a slower delivery uh, for an older audience. But even now, these days, Radio 4 and their contemporaries are kind of picking up the pace. And of course, with stations like like Radio 1 or commercial stations like Absolute, there is a need to hold an audience's attention in an increasingly, shall we say, um, cluttered market. So, you know, people's attention spans, I think, uh, are easily distracted. So you want to be holding their interest. It doesn't mean you to say you're necessarily breaking up the audio, but you might have a new piece of music come in or you might have a, an archival clip or, you know, something just to kind of keep the ear hooked, as it were. Your website, samcoley.com, features examples of your previous work. One of my favourites is an interview you did with Sir Patrick Moore in 2010. It could, yeah. it could have been a straightforward interview because you've got some great audio of a famous, interesting man, but to tell the story, you used other audio, like actuality, music, some relevant sound effects, and it really helped guide the audience through. I'm constantly harassed by people who insist that the moon landings were conspiracy theories and of course buzz was known for punching uh, somebody who accused him of being a liar why don't you swear on the bible that you walked on the moon saying Will i misrepresented my way from me you're a coward and a liar and a thief what i'll say about people like that is if ignorance is bliss they must be very happy how much work goes into something like that and and how straightforward is it for students and keen radio makers to recreate it's tricky because i'm kind of going back on what i said whereas if you've got a great interviewee you don't really need to dress it up too much and and i mean that was shortly before sir patrick moore died um so i mean i didn't really need to go to town on it um he was a great interviewee and it spoke for itself uh, in many ways but I was interested in making an audio-visual slideshow. That's the the piece you're talking about. Uh, Some people call them photo films. So I actually filmed it at the same time. And in the final piece, I used um, lots of photos and, you know, historic photos, some of the ones I'd taken as well. And there were some sort of sections where I used After Effects to to make the um, animations that you see. They're very complicated. Uh, I'll, I'll be honest. But, you know, audio slideshows are a great way to kind of use handheld devices. If you've got a phone or a tablet that you're watching on, why wouldn't you take advantage of those uh, ability to sort of show visuals at the same time? And they're not hard to do. Um, You know, a simple one that can really uh, add a bit of extra depth to your audio could easily be made on Movie Maker if you're using Windows or, or iMovies. If you've just found um, enough photos or taken enough while you were out uh, in the field, then, you know, it's not hard to kind of add an extra dimension to your audio. So, so yeah, they can be as complicated as you want to make them. Uh, and that Sir uh, Patrick Moore piece certainly was rather convoluted. Um, but just being able to, to put a few photos, you know, a little bit of music where it's needed, um, some sound effects if they're relevant, uh, can really bring a piece to life. 
if I'm in the if I'm in the studio here, I can hold it. And I did, and twice I did have to hold it. They say for Apollo 17, you voluntarily stayed back the whole time. You must go over the night launch, so I did. We have ignition, two, one, zero, we have a liftoff. Can you begin to describe it? I was sitting there, until something hit by him. A flash, was fire, then by a wall of sound. Things are going up. In my guess, of course, still telling three people whom I knew. So at our university, we're trying to get our students to spend more time on creating cue material as well as their packages. Uh, so if their feature were to appear on a radio programme, the presenter would know exactly how to introduce it with this cue material. Do you have any advice on, on creating that and, and how to make cue material work for a listener? It's a good question because cue material is often overlooked, but it's it's crucial. The way I look at them is it's sort of a bridge or a, um, an on-ramp, if you will, from the regular programming into your item, be it a feature or a documentary. Um, so, you know, you need to guide the listener into that piece because they might not be expecting it. They might be, um, you know, preoccupied. So you've got to kind of form a, I, I often look at it as a, an advert as well. It's got to really sell your piece. So don't just say, this is John Smith with a piece about fishing. You need to kind of dress it up and, and hook the, int- the interest of the audience. So, you know, you might ask a question or promote some sort of unique aspect. You, know, you might have a great contributor or some of it might be recorded on location. So really use the cue material as an opportunity to sell your feature to the listener and, and really make them want to listen. Often you'll have sound effects or music at the start of your piece, which might help create a nice transition. Um, but you can use the cue material to kind of ask a question and then in your opening, you know, uh, an interviewee might respond to that question. And that forms a great way of bridging that divide between the programming and your piece. So, yeah, it does require a lot of careful thought and make it easy for the presenter. You know, write something that matches their delivery style. So, um, you know, listen to them, obviously, if you can beforehand and get a feel for the sort of person that you're writing the cue material for and obviously the station so that everything is as smooth uh, as possible. And that transition from programming into your item really does help to uh, hook the listener and keep them interested. You've got uh, a lot of history in making audio documentaries, including music focused documentaries. I love listening on your website to uh, one you put together for XFM about the 1986 New Order album, Brotherhood. Hi, I'm Mark Sutherland and I'm a music journalist. New Order are a really important band for British music. For a start, they've been in two of the greatest British bands of all time, you know, Joy Division and New Order, and very few people get to do that. And for those who want to make a radio package, does listening to a well-made documentary help? Yeah, I mean, soak it up. Uh, somebody once said to me, you can't write a book without reading a few first. And the same holds true for, uh, you know, radio production. If you're hoping to make a music documentary or, uh, you know, an in-depth journalistic piece, whatever it is, listen to what's out there. It's never been an easier time to find uh, and listen to audio from around the world um, so soak it up, you know, find what excites you, find what you, you like, find what you don't like. It's not theft. It's called inspiration. So, you know, you can steal a good idea, an interesting approach and um, use it for yourself. No shame in that. So 
the more you listen to um, the work of people, as I say, from around the world, because there are different production styles in Australia or in the UK and uh, America, uh, and it's really good to kind of have a handle on what's going on out there. And also dip into the past. There's some great archives um, that you can find of, of, you know, work that was made a while ago, which is equally as interesting. So, yeah, I think the more you listen to, um, the more confident you get in your own ideas, knowing what you like, what you don't like. Yeah, just just uh, delve into that rich uh, resource and, 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 you know, use those concepts for your own productions. So keep listening to, to what's out there, be inspired, be in, and I guess make great audio yourself and, and don't be afraid to borrow some ideas. I think that's, I think that's a good point. I mean, y- you've got to make a lot of work before you start finding your own voice, as the cliche goes. You know, I often liken a, a, whether it's a half hour or one hour documentary that you're looking to make, it's a marathon. It really is a marathon. And you don't just walk out and run a marathon. You run around the block a few times. You train. So, you know, the more productions you can make, continue the analogy, you're building up your strength. Mm. Um, you know how, uh, what you're good at. You know what you need to work on that'll prepare you for that major piece you're doing. So often, you know, as soon as I get an interview, I'll start editing that even before I'm making the final piece just to kind of get a feel for the content and maybe do a short version. Maybe I'll completely take it apart and redo it for the final version, but I'm just kind of getting a feel for the content and the subject matter, seeing how different contributors fit together. So, yeah, the more you can make, the better. Sam, tell us about some of the things you're enjoying listening to at the moment. Okay, well, for commercial radio, I think free radio here in Birmingham are doing some interesting things. They're sort of breaking up their breakfast show format, being a bit more challenging. So that's interesting to hear. Community radio, again, here in Birmingham, Switch Radio doing some really interesting stuff with their DAB broadcasts and um, doing a lot of spoken word content, which is great to hear. In terms of public service, I, I'm constantly impressed by Six Music, the BBC Six Music, and the the, the wealth of their uh, great talent. Um, I always try and hear Iggy Pop's Confidential, Don Letts and his Culture Clash show uh, are real favourites. Podcast-wise, um, there's a great piece that's just dropped this week by uh, the same team that made Phoebe's Fall, which won the gold medal for podcasting, uh, at the New York Awards this year, and it's called The Wrong Skin, and it's uh, a really great piece. It's not even finished yet. I think they've got the first three or four episodes up, and that's kind of a continuing story. So that's kind of your, your crime investigative type stuff, so I'm enjoying that. Uh, and there's a podcast that a student got me onto called Bikram by Julia Lowry Henderson, um, and that's a really great piece of uh, investigative podcast making as well. So, yeah, there's a range of stuff for you. Dr. Sam Coley from the Birmingham City University. At the start, he was stressing the importance of getting good quality audio. What did you take from Sam's words there, Adam? Well, I definitely feel that with good uh, good audio, it's got to be that about having clear enough so then your listeners can understand it. Because like sometimes I notice that when you have a, a phone interview that you can sometimes get the static noise in the back and that sometimes can differentiate between good audio and bad audio. Sure. You know, but I I do definitely agree that going out there when you're having interviews with people, like like you said uh, a Zoom like they're they're one of the uh, the best kind of like digital 
audio devices out there. Yeah, Zoom recorders, which are yeah, really great handheld audio yeah. recorders. He was also talking about how, for some stations in particular, it's important using quicker edits and, and, and introducing new music and things like that to, to hold the audience's attention when you're putting together certain packages and longer longer form packages or short documentaries and things like that which is interesting uh, you often hear about young people not having the same attention span as, mm. as people did previously when, when you are putting together your own uh, audio adam do you do you consciously try and change up the audio so it's not one person talking for too long i can draw an example with the Luton market mm that we had the person that we was interviewing was the the manager of uh, the market but we was in between questions that we were asking the manager we were fitting in vox pops with the um retailers okay and kind of getting their you know their kind of experiences of being a retailer and uh working within the uh, community of the market fantastic and, and and i'm sure that really helped to, to keep the, the whole piece bouncing along yeah nicely <laughs> yeah bring it to life one of the examples of sam's work that that i've through to him as, as one I really enjoyed was a video, sort of visual audio slideshow uh, and I played some clips in, in that package with uh, Patrick Moore and I will share the YouTube video on, on the Fantastic Noise social media pages but well, what I really enjoyed was that it worked as a piece of audio although there is a video as well that Sam went to great lengths to make as a piece of audio alone I thought it was brilliantly engaging just like simple music and and sound effects and and really nice quality audio in the first place with a really famous guy i'm not sure i'm not sure what you know of sir patrick moore for some for a certain generation he was someone from games master a channel 4 tv program about computer I think, games i think i know who you mean yeah <laughs> but but he was more well known for uh, the sky at night program which is one of the longest running bbc uh, tv programs in fact one of the longest running programs i think there ever has been on, on tv he he passed away but this bit of audio is a fantastic tribute and talks about different parts of his life. And it's only five minutes, but it's, it's so I, I so enjoyed it. Uh, his website, samcoley.com, again, has some great examples. New Order documentary. I fantastic think. ideas. Yeah, oh, yeah, I mean, again, go on, go on that website and just steal and borrow <laughs> like some of the things that Sam's doing in, in his work. Uh, and and in, to, to borrow Sam's words, soak it up. He's talking about being inspired and finding your own voice and things like that. As you start your radio journey, Adam, hopefully today we've given you a couple of uh, examples through through Tim and through Sam that you can draw upon for future audio creation. Oh, definitely. I've learned a few uh, a few ideas that can definitely uh, help me on my journey of uh, becoming a uh, professional radio presenter. If you want to contact us here at Fantastic Noise, I'd be delighted to make this podcast as interactive as possible. Do get in touch. I've received some lovely messages and feedback. Uh, here are a few mentions. Uh, Ian sent a kind tweet and a message. Uh, good luck with your broadcasting career, Ian. Hello to Magic Barry, who was a listener to my uh, future radio breakfast show in Norwich many years ago. He sent some nice words as well. And thank you to Ross, who uh, describes the podcast as an interesting one and uh, a radio geek's paradise. Radio geek. Oh, I, I don't. I don't know if I was ever thinking this would be for radio geeks, but I'm delighted if they like it. No, I, I definitely agree with that. Uh, 
that statement there. Radio Geeks Paradise. Radio Geeks Paradise. Oh, there yeah. you go. I found I found my audience. Yeah. <laughs> Radio <laughs> Geeks. Brilliant. Well, if you want to get in touch, be it with stories, suggestions for future podcasts, feedback, or something else, here are the contact details. Contact us. Email. Fantastic noise at beds.ac.uk. Facebook. Facebook.com forward slash a fantastic noise. Instagram and Twitter. At a fantastic noise. Fantastic noise. Nobody enjoys a trip to see the doctor. But it's okay. Here on this podcast, we bring the doctor to you. Here's Dr. Laurie's radio surgery. I'm Dr. Laurie Hallett, Senior Lecturer in Radio and Journalism at the University of Bedfordshire. If you're going out to interview someone, make sure you've got everything you need first and that all your equipment's working properly. Make sure there's enough space on your memory card and take a windshield if you're recording outside, just as I am now. Don't forget your headphones and a set of spare batteries. Before you start the interview proper, make a check recording first. When you're making this test recording, get your interviewee to introduce themselves and to give you their full name and contact details. That way they've got something to talk about and you have their details on file so you can get back in touch if you need to in future. I reckon you should create a jingle um, for that piece to make it like Radio Doctor. So you you want me to make a really special Dr. Laurie radio surgery yeah. jingle, a cheesy cheesy singing yeah. jingle. So I'm, I've got to work on my my cheesy jingle <laughs> creation, yeah. is what you're saying. Uh, that was Dr. Laurie Hallett, one of the nicest men you'll meet. Also a bit of a celebrity in the UK community radio world. He was talking about the importance of preparing equipment and interviews properly. Adam, are, are you yet to come unstuck? using an audio recorder it, normally everyone's got an, an experience of this. i've got i've got the gist i've not come under with any sort of problem well it? expect to <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't matter you can be as experienced at some point you will accidentally mess something up you're like oh no it's not recorded properly or <laughs> or the batteries run out halfway through a recording and the file gets corrupted or not actually recording it in the first place is a standard one most people have done at least okay once. well i'll remember to bring extra batteries with me and extra memory cards as as Laurie suggests, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Brilliant. Adam, before we go, let's bust some radio jargon. Radio terms don't have to bamboozle. It's time for the Radio Word of the Week. Radio Word of the Week. Fantastic noise. A podcast about making radio. This time, it's ident. This is one I have to talk about a lot, Adam. It's short for identification. It's a quick piece of audio imaging used to help a listener identify which radio station they're listening to. Lots of people call these things jingles. Um, In the UK, it's actually a requirement that an FM radio station idents itself at least once every 15 minutes. So, Adam, do you refer to, for example, the Radiolab idents as idents, or would you call them jingles? I I would say that they're more idents, they are. I I often find that uh, people give them different names. Uh, In fact, one one person I have in mind, I won't name them, wouldn't stop calling them indents. 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 And I can understand, it's completely wrong, but but I understand how they've come to the conclusion that idents are indents. It's just just a similar word. Okay. (laughs) But yes, I understood the confusion. That is it for this episode of Fantastic Noise. Thanks so much for joining us. There will be another episode next week. Do follow us on social media at A Fantastic Noise for updates and previews. Thanks to our guests today, Tim Johns and Dr. Sam Coley. 
A special thanks to my co-host, Adam Simmons. Thank you. Our artwork was produced by Stu Elvin, Stu with a double O. Our announcements were from Freya McCann, and our theme music is by Liam Ayton. This podcast was produced by me for the University of Bedfordshire's radio team and recorded in the studios of Radiolab 97.1 FM. I'm Terry Lee, and this, I hope you'll agree, has been a fantastic noise.